Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, go with me this morning to the book of Isaiah chapter 50. And there's some things the Lord's been talking to me about uh, our focus. And not just as uh, uh, personal or uh, as a church, personally of course, but uh, as a body, as a group of believers. Focus is required. And uh, so that's what we'll, we'll speak on this morning. In order to walk in all God has for us, focus is required. And this is important because uh, in order to have what the enemy wants in my life, focus is required. All right? It, it cannot just happen. Uh, there are things where people make mistakes, and you'll, you'll talk to people, and, and I'm not being critical of anybody, but they, they're, they'll talk about how the, 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 the enemy's fighting, and the enemy put this in here, and the enemy put that over here. Well, I understand that the enemy's trying to bring things into your life, but I also realize that the Bible says that I, when I resist him, he flees. The, the Bible says that I have to be sober, and vigilant why because i have an adversary is that right the devil who roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and then what's it say whom resist and how are we supposed to resist steadfast right steadfast so that means steadfast carries the the context and the idea of focus i've got to be focused on resistance Amen. Do, do you see that? It's not making much of the devil. It's making much of my responsibility. Amen. The, the, the enemy very rarely can do something if I'm on my post. Yeah, but he's putting the pressure on me. I understand, but he's not winning. There's a difference between putting the pressure on me and getting something in my life, right? If, 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 if it's going to come, I've got to focus on it. I've got to get my focus off something and get my focus on something else. Amen. That word focus, it means a central point, a center of activity, attraction or attention, a central point, a center of activity, attraction or attention when you're focused on something it's a central point it's the center of activity all right it's the center of your attention when you're focused on something right yeah i don't know if you've ever been talking to somebody if you've raised kids you've experienced this at some point i'm sure they're playing a game watching tv doing something and you go in and you start talking to them and they're, and they're looking at tv going yeah, yeah, right, I, I need you to go do this, oh, okay, hey, are you listening to me, and, and you know, then, then if you're a good parent, you go, hey, hey, turn that TV off, and look at me, right, look, my mother would come up and grab you right here, look at me, right, I, I need your attention, I need your attention, why? Because what I'm about to tell you is important. What I'm about to say to you requires your attention. What, what God wants out of all of us requires our attention. What God wants out of us as a body, as a church, it requires our attention. Hallelujah. The devil's greatest weapon is the power of suggestion. It's the power of suggestion. Hallelujah. You, you know, you'll have a pain in your body, and here comes the suggestions. Right? 
the, the, right, the enemy comes with this flip chart. You know, he's got a flip chart. You got a pain in your heart. Oh, you got heart trouble. And you go, no, I don't have heart trouble. No, I, I, don't, I, don't, have, I don't have heart trouble. Uh, uh, and he'll keep flipping the chart till he gets something that a person will agree with. Here's, here's what it is. It's acute indigestion. That's what it is. See, he just kept flipping until he found something that you would agree with and give your attention to. It was the power of suggestion. Glory to God. But how many know any sickness, any disease is not mine? Any pain is not mine. So when the flip chart comes, you go, no, 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 I'm the healed of the Lord. Right? He, he, he is the Lord that heals me. He said he would take it away and he would keep it away. And what God was, he is. And what he is, he will ever be. See, you're keeping your focus on who God is. And not on the situation. That doesn't mean you deny that you might be dealing with something. But you keep your center point of attention on what God said about what you were dealing with. Well, I went to the doctor and they said this. I understand that and, I, and you should have went to the doctor and you should listen to the doctor, but don't let what the doctor said get your attention. It's what God said. Amen. Glory to God. Do you see that? I've watched people come off their deathbed by keeping their attention focused on what God said. I've watched people that the doctor said there's nothing we can do there, there, there's nothing we can do. If there was something we could do, we would do it. And they kept their focus on what God said. Because what's the enemy want you to focus on? You're going to die. You're not going to live. Your family's going to be without. Your wife's going to be without a husband. Your kids are going to be without a father or a mother. And you've got to keep your focus on, I will not die, but I will live. And I will declare the works of the Lord. Because right now, strength, moment by moment, is coming into me. The healing power of God is working in my life. That's got to be my focus. And just because you know something is no indicator that you're focused on it. I've, I've, I've seen people before, and they would say, well, I've quoted all of these scriptures, and nothing's getting any better. That doesn't mean you're focused on it. You can quote it out of memory. You know, when, when you go home today, you know how to go home. And you, you have dri driven this route for years. And if you're not cautious, you'll check out and start thinking about other things. And then all of a sudden, red lights come on in front of you. What's wrong with that guy? Uh, he was focused. Right? <laughs> Amen. So the, his greatest weapon is the power of suggestion. There's a difference between knowing something and being focused on it. There's a difference between knowing it and being focused on it. Right? If I ask most people in here, you know, to, 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 to recite the times tables. Well, you know them, but how long has it been since you focused on them? Right? Almost everybody in here, at some point, you've did a, you, you have participated in an algebraic equation, whether in school or college or whatever, but how long has it been since X plus Y equals came through your mind? Never. Not since you passed it and just said, I don't have to deal with that no more. Amen. Glory to God. And then you had kids and they brought you the book and you're like, why didn't I focus? Why didn't I listen? Isaiah 50, let's look at verse 6. This, of course, is referring to Jesus. But it says, I gave my back to the smiters, I hid my cheek, uh, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord will help me, therefore I will not be confounded. Notice, therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. Notice he said, I have set my face like a flint. Well, flint, of course, is a hard rock. 
is, is the definition. Hardness, hard rock. And he said, I have set my face. See, this setting is a choice. I set my face. Part of this we see when Jesus was going through the city of Samaria, the second time that he went through there, and the Samaritans asked him to stay, and he knew he had to go to Jerusalem to fulfill the plan of the Father. And it says, remember what it says? He set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. In other words, he was the adulation of the people, the desire of the people, the, the, the people wanted him to stay. And Jesus said, I've got to set my face and I've got to go where the Father wants me to go. This is a choice. You set your face. You make the determination to keep your focus. Ever what God, God wants you to do. Whether, whether that's in, in a ministry or in your family or in your marriage or in your life and what God's called you to do. There will come a time you got to set your face. There will come a time that you got to keep the center point of attention on what God wants. Hallelujah. Look here at Ezekiel chapter 3. So he made this choice. And you know, when you decide to keep your focus, non-focused people won't be happy. They'll say you're going too far. That's all you care about is what God wants. But, but look at them. Every five minutes, they're a squirrel. Right? Every, every, five, every five minutes, they're changing. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that you should not meddle with those that are given to change. The word is changers. You know, pastor's going to be here tonight. The thing that, that, the main thing that attracted me to my pastor in the spirit realm was yes, he's a phenomenal teacher in, 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 in my totally unbiased opinion. But the point is, it was the longevity. It was the focus. It was going back and hearing messages from the late 80s, early 90s, and hear him saying the same thing that I was hearing him say in 2013. That didn't impress me, that empowered me. Because to, to do something so long and so well, you've got to keep your focus. If you see somebody with a good marriage, it's somebody that's focused on their marriage. You can't have a good marriage focused on you. You've got to be focused on the other person. You've got to be focused on what they think, what they care about. That was pathetic. <laughs> I'm focused on that. <laughs> right? The, the, the moment you get your focus on you, what's it got to come off of? The other person. The moment you get your focus on the situation, your focus has to come off the answer. You got to focus on one or the other. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 7 I'll read it to you from the Amplified Bible. He says, Behold, I've made your face strong and hard against their faces. Now remember, Ezekiel is preaching and teaching and prophesying to people that want nothing to do with what he's saying. And they're making their faces hard against him. And notice what God says. I've made your face strong and hard against their faces and your forehead strong and hard against their foreheads. One translation says, I've made your head harder than theirs. He says, as an adamant harder than flint or diamond, a diamond point, I have made your forehead. Do not fear them or be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. What does this mean? Focus will give you a harder face. Focus will give you a determination that will be harder than the temptation. Amen. You, you, your, your desire will be more than the temptation. 
Amen. It'll be harder than the test, the trial, the obstacle that you face. Amen. When you focus on the obstacle, you lose focus on the way over or the way through or the way around. There are times that you've just got to back up and hit it. And when you have to do that, your head's hard enough to get through it. Because, because of your focus. Oh, hallelujah. When you set your face on something, the Holy Spirit will help you set your face like a flint and become harder than the obstacle that you will face. So you won't lose your focus. Amen. Do, do you see that? But I've got to do this. I've got to set my face. I've got to set my focus. And when I do that, the Holy Spirit will help me harden my face to get through it. Amen. Glory to God. Tell your neighbors I'm keeping my focus. Over the years, lack of focus is one of the main reasons I've seen for people uh, having defeat or loss. Just a lack of focus, a loss of focus. Whatever God has asked of you, He's asked that of me from here on out. It's my job to focus on it. Amen. I've watched ministers over the years that would say, God told me to start this church, and God told me to do this, and God told me to do that. And the first time it gets hard, or the second time it gets hard, or the third time it gets hard. You know how many times things have gotten hard in the last 24 years? More times than I got fingers, toes, noses, eyeballs, ears. Because, because challenges come. It's, it's what you do with your focus in the middle of it that matters. Amen. And, and, and the first or second or third time a challenge comes, I've had them talk to me and say, this can't be the will of God. What do you mean? Well, we're going through a hard time again. And? You got to set your face and get through it. Faith is not weak. Faith doesn't break easy. And if I'm going to stand in faith, it requires focus. Amen. Look here in Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16. Because you know, when, when you make a statement like, the Lord asked me to do this, you've said something. You said, the Lord asked. Now those words mean something to me. When somebody comes to me and they say, Pastor, the Lord has asked me to do this. Okay, now you just said the Lord. Now, I don't know what that means to you, but that means the Lord asked you to me. So that means whatever comes, you're going to set your face and you're going to get through it because the Lord asked you. Is that right? If it gets tough, you're going to set your face because the Lord asked you. If the challenges show up, you're going to get through them because the Lord asked you. Oh, hallelujah. Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. And we're going to read on, but think about that. So he knows what he's going to face. <laughs> he's going to go and, right, suffer many things and be killed. And he's still determined to go. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from you, Lord. This shall not be to you. But he turned and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. 
For you do not savor the things that be of God, but those that be of men. The Amplified Bible says, he said, you are in my way. An offense and a hindrance and a snare to me. You're minding what partakes not of, na- of the nature and the quality of God, but of men. Now, Jesus answered this way because he was focused. Amen? Anything that tries to break your focus is an offense, and it's not to be treated lightly. Anything that tries to break your focus. The devil was trying to get, using, was using Peter to try to get Jesus' focus. In other words, get your focus off what you need to do and get it on yourself. Other translations say pity yourself. Feel bad for yourself. Focus on yourself. And Jesus had to deal with that quickly. Why? Because his face was set. Amen. Ever, ever what you're dealing with, ever what you may face, ever what may come up, you got to deal with it quickly. When the opportunity comes for you to lose your focus, you've got to pull it back over on focus quickly. Because it doesn't take long to get off track. I don't know what God's called everyone in here to do. I know what God's called our church to do. I don't know what God's called you to do personally. But you've got to regularly check up on yourself and find out, am I still pushing in to what God wants me to be pressing into? Am I still doing what God wants me to be doing? With my life, my calling, whatever, whatever He has asked me to do, am I still on track with that? And you got to sit down somewhere with yourself and be honest. Am I still pushing into what God wants me to be doing? Because that requires my focus. When you say God has called me to this. God has called me to minister. God has called me to sing. God has called me to help. God has called. Well, here's the thing. What you're called to do is one thing. The focus breaker will come to try to move you away from that. And then I've got to make a decision. And so here's Jesus, and Peter loved Jesus. Peter wasn't trying to get, Peter wasn't thinking about what he was doing. He, he did that a little bit. He wasn't thinking about what he was doing. He loved Jesus. Lord, don't talk that way. And look what Jesus said. He said, you are a hindrance. You're a snare to me. What you're saying will get me in trouble. Amen. The devil was trying to get him to focus on himself. Any thought from anybody that's contrary to God's plan for your life is of the devil. Hallelujah. Now that, see, that's, that's where you got to keep your focus. You're not, you're not, Jesus wasn't mad at Peter per se, but he recognized he was being used. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Well, you know, does it really take all that? I mean, you know, do you really have to move to Little Rock? I had people ask me that. Do you really have to move? Well, let's weigh this. God asked me. So, yeah, I really do. Because God asked me. Think about that. Whatever God asked you to do, He could have asked anybody else, but he asked you. Matter of fact, he may have asked somebody else, and they backed off. Because they they wouldn't keep their focus. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12. And and that's how how you have to to view it. Listen, understand something. Non-spiritual people do not understand spiritual people. They're not going to. They don't understand your commitment to God. They don't understand your commitment to the things of God. They don't understand why you don't want to play loose and fast with with the things of God. Amen. In in the day and age we live in, it's, it's, it's becoming more and more odd to people to find somebody that lives what they say they believe. I told my wife the other day, I'm, listen, I'm, 
I'm, I'm, determined, I'm determined to go even deeper. I'm determined to live even better for God. I'm determined to live even more right. I'm determined to live even more holy and sanctified and set apart for the things of God. Why? Because as the days get closer, those that love God are going to love Him more. And, and, and there are things that are happening in the world that are showing the, the cracks in the world system. That, amen. That there, there are things that are, that are going to happen. There are changes that are going to happen. And the people that are going to be positioned to take advantage of those things are those that keep our focus. Folks, you, you can't keep your focus listening to Fox's talking points all day and God forbid MSNBC or CNN or somebody like that. You can't keep your focus hearing what everybody else is saying and meditating on what everybody else is saying. Well, this is what they're saying and this is what he said and this is what they said. What did the Bible say? What did God say? Amen. He, he, said, he said that in the last days that his people would be strong and do exploits. He said that in the last day that his people would shine like the stars in the sky. He said that in the last days there would be a group of people that would look away from everything that distract and keep their focus on Jesus. If, if we're going to be that body, and we are part of that church, of the Lord Jesus Christ that the gates of hell cannot prevail against we got to keep our focus we got to keep our focus we are undefeatable we are unstoppable we cannot be defeated we cannot be overcome there's nothing the devil can do to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ don't believe non-spiritual people talking about the church they don't have any idea what the church is about amen you got unbelievers telling Christians what Jesus meant. And Christians going, oh, 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 oh. right? Unbelievers telling Christians, you know, Jesus, Jesus, he taught love and acceptance for everybody. And Jesus believed you just accepted everybody. That's baloney. B L L O B A L O N E Y. My baloney has a first name. It's O S C A R. Amen. But it's baloney. He did not come preaching love and acceptance. He came preaching repent. The very first message Jesus preached was repent. Change your focus. You are focused on this. I need you to change your focus and get it over here on the kingdom of God. And when you do that, things change. Glory to God. I Listen, I won't be bullied by the world. I won't be bullied by the spirit of Antichrist. I won't be bullied by non-spiritual people that know nothing about the kingdom of God trying to tell the church what we're supposed to be doing. You are not supposed to be afraid. You are not supposed to be drawn out. You are not supposed to be defeated. You're supposed to be living in faith, living in victory, and living in the overcoming ability of God. That's got to be your focus. Hallelujah. Do, Do you see that? Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Seeing we're compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. Mm. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Why why do you got to lay things aside? They're focus breakers. They're focus breakers. I'm I'm just going to tell you the truth. You're not going to sin if you're not focused on sin. You get up every morning focused on Jesus. You get up every morning focused on the Word. That great theologian Flip Wilson was right. The devil cannot, was wrong. The devil cannot make you do it. I got to cooperate. And how does he do it? He starts with your focus. And the Bible says, who lays it aside? Let, let, let's, let's read it again. Let us. Let us do this. Let us lay aside every weight. Now does it say every weight? Every one of them. Every weight that's trying to hinder me. Every weight that's trying to stop me from running my race. 
I got to lay it aside. I got to take it off and let it drop. And he says, and if there's sin, lay that aside too. Look, there's no condemnation. Just get rid of it. Just lay it aside. Quit it. Drop it. Quit it. Forget it. Move on. Just quit doing it. If he told us to just quit doing it, we can just quit doing it. Amen. The enemy gets people's focus off their ability to overcome sin by trying to get them to focus on the fact that he, of, of his words that you cannot overcome it. There's nothing, no sin, no problem, no addiction that you can't overcome if you'll lay it down and focus on him. Amen. Do you see this? And notice, let us run with patience. Patience is focus. What, what are we supposed to run? The race that's set before us. Not your race. I'm not running your race. You're not running my race. We're supposed to run the race that's set before us. Is that right? As a church, we're supposed to run the race that's set before us. Not the race that the church across town or the church down the block or the church over in Conway or wherever it's at. That's, that's, that's not the race we're running. We run the race we're running. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I had a person one time. Now, now, please don't misunderstand when I say this. Wonderful person. Wonderful person. Still with me after all these years. And I'm so grateful. Uh, but uh, they came and, and, and they had their ideas. And this is what we need to do. And, and we need to. Not this church, but the, the one in the Kansas location. And we need to move it over here to this area. And we need to do this. And we need to do that. Just one problem with that. God didn't tell me to do it. Yeah, but it's a great opportunity. It doesn't mean I'm supposed to take it. I got to run the races set before me. Right? See, that, that's, that's the thing. I don't, I don't even get to do what I want. I, I got to do what he wants. Well, pastor, can we do this? Uh, no. Well, why not? Because we weren't told to. We got, we got to stay with and run the race that he set before us. Amen. I was talking to somebody the other day. I don't know if you all remember this. I would say this on Sunday morning and even Wednesday night. You remember there'd be some Wednesday nights. There'd be like six, six folk here. And I'd say, look around. This is the smallest we'll ever be. Sunday morning, there'd be 20 folks. Look around. This is the smallest we'll ever be. Well, look around. As much as we've grown, this is as small as we'll ever be. Amen. I like looking for parking spots. Hallelujah. See, that's why that building's closed. Because the next tool is a building. You see, you see what I'm saying? I'm telling you something, not just out of my head. I'm telling you this by the Holy Spirit. The building's closed. And that's the next tool. That's the next step. Glory to God. So notice he said, so we look away and look unto Jesus. The Amplified Bible says, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the same, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, now notice, in other words, don't consider the challenge, consider him. Consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. Focus on what Jesus did and overcame and it won't look so bad for you. And notice this next verse. He said, you have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Jesus did. That's who it's referring. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus resisted unto blood. Because of what? His focus. When you, when you read uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John... You, you find out that three times Jesus went and prayed the first time and said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Says he went and found the disciples asleep. Loss of focus. 
What did he want them to do? Pray with him. Pray with him. In, in the hour of his greatest physical need, he needs somebody to pray with him, and they're sleeping. He may not have had to pray three times if they'd have been praying. So he went and woke them up. I need you to pray with me. Went back, and the Bible says he prayed the same thing. Lord, if it be your Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Went and found him asleep. And the Bible says he went and prayed again the third time and said the same thing. And in between, Luke says that he writhed in agony on the ground. He was striving against sin and keeping his focus to the point that he was bleeding out of his forehead and writhing on the ground in pain to keep his focus. Hallelujah. And he said, look away from what would distract you and look at that. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see that? Looking away is intentional. Focus is a choice. I have a responsibility to stay focused on what God said and what he has me for, for me to do. Amen. Sometimes people say, what are we doing today, Pastor? I say, same thing we do every day. Building faith and framing worlds by the word of God. Taking over the world. Amen. Now that's kind of humorous, but that's my mindset. Your ability to maintain your focus determines to a large degree God's ability to promote and bless you. Because I can know what God desires of me and for me, yet I have to maintain my focus to go after it. Hallelujah. You know, there, there, are, there are multitudes of people that got up today and gave no thought to the plan of God for their life. They got up and they just, they're just going about their business like there's no eternity. Like there's no place that they're going to stand and give an account. Like there's no reward for them for their obedience. Well, Pastor, that's, you know, th 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 this is kind of straightforward. I understand. But think about this. There are people that are exchanging their reward for a lazy morning at home. There are people that know they have a call of God on their life and they're playing games with it like it doesn't matter. Hmm. You got quiet over here. Let me come over here. <laughs> you, you've seen it with people. They'll say, you know, the Lord's been dealing with me to do that. And you haven't done it? What is the best kind of obedience? Instant obedience. When you ask your child to do something, do you want them to say, yeah, I'll get to it in a little bit? We'll say, what? Right now. Is that right? Why? Because what's, what, what is obedience? Instant. Right here, sitting here today. If there's things God's asked you to do and you haven't started on them, you can flip the switch right now and just decide, I'm going to start doing it. Well, what if I don't? Well, that's between you and God. But you can flip the switch right now. When they came in today, turn the lights on. They just flip the switch and the lights come on. Amen. If, if the light didn't come on, then there's a problem. There's a problem between the connection between the switch and, and the light or the light bulb's out or something. You might have to deal with that. But you can flip the switch right now. Amen. But don't live your life like God has nothing for you to do. Don't live your life like it doesn't matter. I have to keep my focus. Amen. Oh, Hallelujah. Anointing and talent are not enough without focus. I've known some of the most anointed ministers that couldn't keep their focus. You got to keep your focus. When you keep your focus, there's things you won't get involved in. And things you won't do. There are problems that other people face that you will never face just because you live right. 
I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. We were running, and, and we, we made the decision. That, that, and, 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 I, and I told him I was probably going to use this in a message. You know, there are things that I'll never have to deal with because I live clean. There's things I'll never have to, to worry about because you live right. You know, living right is not legalism. It's Bibleism. It's Jesusism. Right? That's why you were born again. You weren't born again just to forgive you of your sins. You were born again to get forgiven and get the power over sin. Romans chapter 6 says, Sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under law, you're under grace. It says, I'm no longer a slave to sin, I'm a slave to righteousness. That's, that's what you got to focus on. Glory to God. And it, you, you, do you see this? There's so much writing on our focus there's so much that depends on us keeping our focus look at first corinthians 15 first corinthians chapter 15 am i helping you uh, verse 58 first corinthians 15 58 therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast unmovable always abounding in the work of the lord Notice this, for as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. One translation says, as you busy yourselves. Another says, always devote yourselves to the labor of the Lord. So devote yourselves to, stay focused on the work of the Lord, what the Lord has asked of you. You know, you may say, well, Pastor, I don't know what the Lord has asked of me. Well, he has something, ask him. Something for me to stay focused on. Amen. One translation says to do this because you know that your labor in the service of the Lord is never thrown away. Another says, you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever wasted nothing you do for the lord is ever wasted isn't that powerful glory to god every stand you take is not wasted every challenge you face and overcome is not wasted amen e even times that you feel like you put yourself out there and you didn't see any returns not wasted Folks, I'm telling you, we talk about it like this where sin is concerned. You know, you see people sinning and living wrong, and they, they never think about that great coming, coming up resurrection morning. They never think about the comeuppance that's coming. They never think about the, 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 the day when the price is going to be paid. Don't you forget the day when the rewards get handed out. There's a reward for standing. There's a reward for keeping your place. Isn't that good? There's a reward for it. It's not wasted. It's not wasted. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? You know, we, 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 we often talk about people that have gone on and, and, and done things for the Lord. You know, Hudson Taylor, who is the, really one of the first missionaries to China, you know, he labored for years in his first endeavor and got maybe one person born again in 10 years. One. One convert. But he stayed with it. And before you know it, he started what was called the Inland China Mission. And they had, they had places all over the nation of China before communism took over. And spread the gospel today in China because of the seed that was sown all those years ago. The, the, the estimates are a thousand people a week are born again in China. A thousand people a week. In a nation that said if you're practicing Christianity we're going to lock you up. It is illegal and a thousand people a week are getting born again. Why? Because one man said I'm going to keep my focus. Hallelujah. Is that right? Nothing that you do for God is ever wasted. That's why you got to learn to focus on what you're going to be rewarded for. Don't be distracted. 
Don't, don't, don't be taken off target. You know, this is not a message about church attendance and things of that nature. You know, you know that you should go to church. I could, I could if, if, if you don't, if a person doesn't believe that you should come to church regularly, I, I could preach, till I'm the color of Pastor Larry's socks. It's purple in case you can't see him. Uh, I, I could preach until I'm blue in the face, and it's just not going to change it. My job is not to change what you think about church attendance. My job is to get you focused on what God wants you to do. That, that's what this is about. Amen. Learn to focus on what you're going to be rewarded for. Hallelujah. You know, pastor says it this way. He said, when you stand before the Lord, you want to hear well done, not well. Right? I, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear, what did you do with what I asked you to do? Hmm. Look over here at 2 Corinthians 1. 2 Corinthians 1. You're right there in first. You know, the, uh, right there in 1 Corinthians 15, I almost put this in here, but, but I didn't. Just just because I, I, I don't want to get too preachy on it. But 1 Corinthians 16, 15, he's talking about the house of Stephanus. They were the first fruits of Achaia or the first fruits of Asia. And notice what he said about him. They've addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They've addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. And he goes on and he says, he says concerning these people that they are the kind of people that you can submit yourselves to. Verse 16 says, that you submit yourselves unto such. If you want to follow somebody, follow somebody who's focused. Is this okay? You know, I get around the people that God uses to speak in my life, and I get challenged. Because I get around them and I see, they're more focused than me in this area. That, 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 the time that I went, and uh, I was uh, asked by a friend of mine to come to the meeting that they were having at their church with Dr. T.L. Lowry. And uh, anybody remember who Dr. T.L. Lowry is? In, in any event, I went and, and uh, 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 he was ministering. He was ministering in a, in a leadership meeting. And then he was going to minister in the church. And I was in the leadership meeting and the church. But the point is, in the leadership meeting, he ministered on the Holy Spirit and leadership. And here's what I came away with after that meeting. He knows the Holy Ghost in a way I don't. Well, what'd that do? It challenged me. It encouraged me. It set me on a pathway to know the Holy Spirit like I never knew him before. Amen. Glory to God. You know, all that we're, we're believing God for, things that we're believing God for, hundreds of thousands of dollars that we're believing God for in the transportation department, these kind of things. You know, it, it challenges you when you're believing for this and then you go to drop your guest off and they say, well, come on up in this Falcon 50. Right? Mahogany wood. Italian leather. Right? International aircraft. I just want one that will get me back and two to Kansas City in an hour. Right? But see, that's, that's my focus right now. That's got to be my focus right now. But what did that do? Sitting in that aircraft, I figured something out. You know what? If God can give him an aircraft of several million dollars debt-free and make him come out $275,000 in the black, that increases your focus. Ooh, let's get busy. Right? Let's get busy. Amen. I remember the first time I ever came here and, and ever met uh, Pastor Caldwell, we were, we were on VTN, and we had went to church Wednesday night, and we were filming Thursday, and he said, well, come, you know, come early, and, and I'll take you around, show you the, the grounds, and show you the church, and so we went, and, and I'm walking through Agape, and I'm walking through the buildings, and, and you know, my faith is just getting stirred. My faith is getting stirred. My faith got stirred when he took me down to the basement and said, I remember the day I stood right here on this step, and the basement was flooded. And I told the Lord, Lord, I can't keep doing this. It's been a year. And remember what the Lord told him? You put that year on there, not me. You just stay focused on what I ask you to do. Right? 
And he said, I just, I just shut my eyes and ignored the flooded swimming pool basement and got after what God wanted me to do. That, that blessed me because he's in the middle of this massive building project. He's a man of faith, and yet his basement is flooded, and he's got to go up and preach with a flooded basement, but his focus is on what God asked him to do, to raise up a spiritual production center that would produce life, city, state, nation, and world. That was the focus. And challenged me. It encouraged me. Got me to get my focus where it needed to be. Amen. You, you need to be around people that are focused because it challenges you. Amen. Do, do you see that? 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Did you find it? And you know, don't ever come away from somebody that, that is doing more for God or farther along than you are in a certain area with this feeling of, oh my goodness, look how far behind I am. No, look what you can get done. Look what you can get done. It's your choice. I had, I, can I share this with you? I, I, I'm going to. I had a... <laughs> I had a gentleman come to me one time, and uh, uh, he was asked. Now, I'm not a financial expert by any means. God's been good to us. But here, here's the point. Uh, he was asking me about budgeting his money. He was having a hard time. He, had, he, he, kept, he kept saying, I got too much month at the end of the money. Okay. I said, well, here's what you do. I, I finally agreed to meet with him. And I said, you bring me uh, all your bills, everything you've got every month, and pay stubs. Let's look at this. Well, he came in, and, and I went through his bills and looked at what he made, and, and uh, he had uh, $700 left over every month. I said, is this all you owe? He said, yeah. And this is what you make? Yeah. Hmm. I said, well, there's a problem. You should have $700 left over every month. And he just kind of looked at me. And here's what I asked him. I said, you eat out a lot. He said, every meal. I felt like the mechanic looking at the engine. Well, there's your problem. <laughs> but, but, you know, and, and, and you know, I, he said, well, you know, uh, I don't like my cooking and, and all these different things. And I said, but, but here's the issue. This is causing you the problem. Now, if you want to focus... I said, you can buy some heat em and eat ems. <laughs> right? I mean, it's not your healthiest option, but you can get some deli meat and cheese and make a sandwich. And you know what I got? Excuses. Well, but you know, keeping it cool. I said, no, that's not a problem. I said, coolers nowadays are wonderful. I said, you can get you some of those little ice blocks and put in there to keep it cool for hours. Eh, but it'd get in the way. And finally, I just told him, I, I gave him his stuff back. I said, you got excuses. Because we've given you the answer. You, want, you don't want to focus on it. You see what I'm saying? What would have been the reward? Plenty of money. Debt freedom. What was he focused on? I don't want to do that. You know why most people keep doing what they're doing, even though it may be hurting them? It's because they don't want to quit. They don't want to focus on something else. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Do, do you see that? Well, I don't want to look at that anymore. Pastor, I don't want to, I don't want to have that problem. And, and, and can you help me? And this thing keeps cropping up, and I keep looking at things I shouldn't look at. Then what are you willing to do to quit looking at it? Well, I can't live without a computer. That's a lie. If you want freedom, you'll do whatever you got to do. It's, it's, it's whatever you got to focus. I, I had a, a young man came to me one time, and... Uh, and I am not justifying this. I'm just saying these were his words. And he had made a mistake. And he had looked at something on, on the internet that he shouldn't have looked at as pornography. And, and he had a smartphone. I said, well, you got to stop that. You got to stop that right now. He went and got a flip phone. 
He went, he went and got a phone that was not connected to the internet at all. Well, Pastor, that's not a problem for me. It's not a problem for you, but it's a problem for somebody. And he decided to deal with it. I'm going to cut the head off the snake. And to my knowledge, he still has that phone. And he's still free. It doesn't make you weak to put up some boundaries. It means you're focused. Something else is more important to me than that. Amen. Yeah, but people are going to think, what do you care what people think? When I stand before the Lord, nobody else is going to stand with me. It's going to be all me by myself. And he's going to ask me what I did. And then I'm going to be given a reward based on what I did. And I'm going to be loss of reward based on what I didn't do. Don't lose eternal rewards because of what somebody else is going to think or what somebody else says. It's not worth it. It's just, it's just not worth it. Hallelujah. For, uh, 2 Corinthians 1. Let me hurry. Verse 8. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble that came to us in Asia. We were pressed out of measure above strength that insomuch we despaired of life. We had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God which raiseth the dead. Who delivered us from so great a death does deliver in whom we trust he will yet deliver. Oh, glory. Amen. Now, Paul makes a statement here. We had the sentence of death in ourselves. Now, that word sentence is the answer. We had the answer of death. Now, that doesn't mean that he was answering it like we would think. When, when I looked at this, I had, to, I had to really look at it because Paul is saying we had such trouble and pressure, we thought we were going to die. One translation says, I was so utterly and unendurably crushed. And when I looked this up, the word sentence is a word that means a judicial decision. And when you look at it in depth, this is Paul asking himself, Am I going to come out of this? And the decision he came to was, I'm going to die. It's that bad. Now, I, I know, you know, we'd like to think Paul stood up and said, no, no, no. My confession is I will not die, but I will live. No, Paul says, I looked at all the situation. I looked at what I was going through, and I came to this conclusion. I'm not going to make it. Hmm. You see this? That's the sentence he passed on himself. But now notice, Paul's focus had to shift. It was undeniable. His focus had to shift from what he couldn't do to God and what he could do. Right? He said, we decided because we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we couldn't trust in ourselves, but we had to trust in God that raises the dead. In other words, it looked like I was going to die. So if I'm going to die, i got to put my trust in the one that can raise the dead. If it looks impossible, you got to put your trust and keep your focus on the one for whom nothing is impossible. Glory to God. He felt like he was going to die. He even passed that sentence on himself. Yet notice, he focused on God who raises the dead. The Knox translation says, It is he who preserved us and is preserving us from such deadly peril. So he did deliver, he is delivering, and he will deliver. That's your focus. When you're, when you're facing something, did God bring you out of the last one? Then if he did, he's currently working on bringing you out of this one. And he will do it. Oh, glory to God. You got to learn to use those past challenges as a springboard. Hallelujah. Because the enemy tries to make everything that you face the biggest thing you've ever faced. 
And you've went through worse. You went through worse. And God brought you out. He'll bring you out again. Oh, hallelujah. So here's my last scripture. 1 Timothy 1. Thank you, Jesus. Focus. Oh, hallelujah. Focus on what you're going to be rewarded for. Verse 18, 1 Timothy 1, 18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went before on you that by them you might war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. So notice, he tells us three things here that our focus must be on. Number one, what God has asked of us. Those things. He said, he said, according to the prophecies that went before in you, what God said about them, that by them you might war a good warfare. If God has spoken things to you, over you, about you, that's his plan. You got to stay focused on that. Remember in, in, in the teaching that we were doing on Wednesday nights on, on uh, a covenant of blood, uh, the Bible says that God came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, and he said, I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. And Abraham, remember what he asked God? He said, uh, what could you possibly give me seeing I'm childless? And my heir will be this Eleazar of Damascus. And remember what the Lord said, that won't be your heir. But one that comes out of your own body will be your heir. And what's the next verse say? And Abraham believed God. What? Right? He still didn't see his son. He still didn't see any evidence in the natural, but he believed God. What did God say? What has God asked of you? What did God say about you? That's your focus. That's your focus. Then secondly, our focus has to be on keeping our faith strong. Notice he said we got to hold faith. You got to hold on to it. You got to constantly build your faith and you got to hold on to the faith you build. Every day is a faith day. You know, the faith that you used to get you through the last situation has been used. You got to get up tomorrow and build your faith again. That's just, that's just a fundamental of faith. Because, because if you don't, you'll get caught without your focus. Amen. And then notice, he said, holding faith, keep your faith strong. And then notice, maintain a clear conscience. Now, this is important. This is not just about sin. I can't have a clear conscience if I'm not doing what God wants me to do. Because there's something left undone. Right? Have you ever known there's something you should do and you didn't do it? Or you wouldn't do it? <laughs> you know, it can be something as simple as walking by the trash can that's full. And you walk on by it, and then you come back, and your wife's taking out the trash. Oh, conscience got you. Yeah. Right? Hallelujah. I got to hold a clear conscience. I want nothing between me and God. You want nothing between you and God. It's just not worth it. And he said... That these three things help me maintain my focus. When you lay down tonight, you're going to lay down with the understanding there's nothing between you and God. You're going to hold on to faith because you're going to stay focused on what God said. Do, do you see that? Hallelujah. Because... Uh, you know, the Bible makes the statement, Paul said this, he said, you know, in the natural, 
he said it wasn't the mighty or the wise or those people that were called. He said God has chosen the foolish things of the world. I, I found it interesting, and, and uh, I don't know, I was kind of taken aback, that word when he says the foolish things. It's the Greek word moroni. <laughs> it means morons. <laughs> it didn't say you're a moron. It's saying the world looks at you and thinks, you're crazy. He said, that's who God has chosen. Those people that are willing to have other people say that, and they keep their focus. Amen. Do you see that? I, I, somebody invited my wife and I somewhere one time. We were going to go. I mean, it was, it was a, uh, a family it, deal, and uh, uh, we're big on family. But uh, uh, we had to postpone our arrival. And people say, why? Well, we had to preach to you. And that's what we said. They said, well, everybody's coming in this day. I said, well, we can't come in that day. And they said, oh, let me guess. You got ministry. Yeah. Well, didn't that bother you? Didn't bother me at all. Every good thing you have in your life is because of the ministry. Every good thing that's ever happened to you is because you're... Your mom and dad were willing to do what God wanted them to do. Amen. That good education, that good life, that was God. And, I, and I'm going to say this to everybody here today as we're closing. Every good thing that you've ever had in your life was because of God. Every blessing that's ever come to you is because of God. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from God. I'm not responsible for any of it. God is the one that did it. If, if something good is in your life, God gave it to you. God did it. And if for no other reason than that, I owe him my focus. Amen. Are you following me?